helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. hard to believe it's been 22 years. Then again, it seems many Americans have forgotten that 19 terrorists tried to destroy what made America great. Our freedom and the advantages it gives us were attacked on September 11, 2001 by terrorists from overseas. Today, our freedoms are under attack by our fellow citizens. When we think about attacks on our liberty, we often think about government actors infringing on our rights. While that certainly is one avenue of attack, there are plenty more. Corporate media comes to mind, and recent other corporate entities as well. Then there are the schools, not all of which are are government-owned and operated. I'd even go so far as to say that American citizens, individually, are attacking the very rights that those terrorists have been attacking for decades. It appears Benjamin Franklin was correct. Those who would give up essential liberty for temporary security deserve neither liberty nor security. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study, where we read and study the Constitution. We teach the rising generation to be free. I'm so glad you could join me today. You know, September 11th is is one of those days that will live in infamy. It, uh, I, I, I remember where I was. I remember when I first heard about the attacks. I remember watching the second plane fly into the towers. Thank God I wasn't there that day. And I will still remember the tone of my boss's voice when he called me just to make sure I wasn't there that day. It's a day that those of us who were old enough to understand, I don't think we'll ever forget. However, I think as a nation, we have looked at that attack and run to the temporary safety, the the promise of a temporary safety over the protections of the rights and the liberty that those terrorists attacked. That's kind of what I want to look at today, is I want to look at the the fact that our, our liberties, our freedom, are just as under attack today as they were in 2001, the only difference being today, those attacks are coming primarily domestically. One of the examples I will use is obviously schools. There's been a lot of talk about schools lately. And this idea of in loco parentis or in in place of the parents and and the idea of who decides what is best for your child. It, It should be a fundamental question. It's often referred to as parental rights. Now, for most of our history, the answer was simple and straightforward. The parents decide. While the advent of governments and opportunities were created for state intervention in parental rights, they were limited to protecting the safety of the child. Of course, it didn't take long for Lord Acton's warning to enter the picture. Power tends to corrupt, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. We've probably all heard the stories of some overeager child protective services or their counterparts taking children away from parents for the flimsiest of reasons. Sometimes all it took for CPS to get involved is for a neighbor who didn't like the decisions of the parents to file a complaint. Of course, it didn't take long for schools to get involved as well. 
there's a saying I've often heard, bad facts make bad law. Put another way, when you write general laws based on the exception rather than the rule, the often unintended consequences can be catastrophic. Look, for example, many states and localities, in an attempt to protect children from abuse, have empowered faculty and staff at schools to report incidents of suspected child abuse. Rare but terrible incidents of abuse not only morph this ability to report into a duty to report, but it also changed the standard of reporting from evidence of physical abuse to well, suspicion of mental abuse. Well, the problem there is twofold. First, well, mental abuse is not well-defined, and second, suspicion is not necessarily based on anything real. This has led to an attitude that the schools are ultimately responsible for the physical and mental welfare of a child, including determining what they need for an education. Now, whereas school boards used to work with parents and parental groups to determine educational standards, today they are being decided by quote-unquote experts, completely devoid of parental involvement, and with little, if any, consideration for the individual needs of the child. Which brings me to a recent case out of the District Court of Maryland called Mahmoud versus McKnight. The premise of the case is fairly simple, quoting from the opinion, uh, in this lawsuit, parents who, whose elementary-aged children attend Montgomery County Public Schools, called MCPS, seek the ability to opt their children out of reading and discussion of books with lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, and queer characters because the book's message contradict their sincerely held religious beliefs about marriage, human sexuality, and gender. Now, the Montgomery County Public Schools were using material in the classroom that several parents found objectionable. In this case, the objections revolved around the parents' religious belief and their faith that they wished to instill in their children. Now, why did the parents feel the need to sue MCPS in federal court? Because their right to opt their children out of offensive material was being denied by MCPS. Again, from the opinion, last school year, MCPS incorporated into its English language arts curriculum a collection of storybook features of uh, storybooks featuring LGBTQ characters known as the storybooks or books in an effort to reflect the diversity of the school co community. Initially, parents could opt their children out of reading and instruction involving the books as they could with other parts of the curriculum. In March of this year, the defendants, the Montgomery County School Board of Education, the uh, MCPS superintendent and the elected board members collectively known as the school board, announced that parents no longer would receive advance notice of when the storybooks would be read or be able to opt their children out. See, when MCPS initially incorporated into their curriculum material of a sexual nature, the parents could opt their children out. Then in March of this year, the leadership at MCPS decided the material that they wished to expose to children attending their schools was more important than the concerns of the parents and their religious instruction. Ironically, the attempt by MCPS to reflect the diversity of their community denied the diverse ideas of these parents. This action led to some concerned parents filing a lawsuit. Again, quoting, Following the announcement, three families in diverse of diverse faiths filed suit against the school board, claiming that no opt-out policy violates their and their children's free exercise and free speech rights under the First Amendment, the parents' substantive due process rights under the 14th Amendment, and Maryland law. 
The plaintiffs contend that state law requires MCPS to provide opt-outs for the storybooks because, in their view, the books concern family life and human sexuality. The school board's position is that the storybooks are part of its English language arts curriculum and opt-outs are required only for the family life and human sexuality unit of instruction, a separate curriculum. There's a nice little sleight of hand. We'll introduce questions of family life and human sexuality. We just won't call it that part of the curriculum so we can get away with it. Now, as part of the lawsuit, in order to protect their children from this exposure to potentially damaging information from these books, the parents requested a preliminary injunction against MCPS to prevent them from implementing the no-opt-out policy. Now, most states, at least on paper, recognize that parents have the ultimate power to control the education of their children. Now, for this reason, states that require education in sensitive areas have laws allowing parents to opt their children out of that specific instruction. Now, I say that states recognize the, uh, parent, parental rights on paper because the laws mean nothing if they are not logically enforced. By that, I mean that the state's laws allow parents to opt their children out of instruction they find objectionable, even over the objections of the school or district. Now, the associate, state super, I'm sorry, the associate Superintendent for Curriculum and Instruction Programs at MCPS, Nikki T. Hazel, stated, The new, the new no-opt-out policy was a result of meetings with a small group of principals in March of 2023 during which the school board determined that principals and teachers could not accommodate the growing number of opt-out requests without causing a significant disruption to the classroom environment and undermining MCPS's educational mission. Now, sadly, this is a sentiment I've heard all too frequently before. From politicians to bureaucrats and, yes, even school boards and principals, it seems more often than not these groups prefer to force others to comply with their failure rather than learn from it themselves. The school board of MCPS found that a lot of parents were opting their children out of the classes with these objectionable books. Rather than asking themselves, maybe these parents have a point, maybe we need to take a look at these books, their response, as totalitarian as you might expect, was to prevent parents from opting their children out of this instruction. Again, reading from the, from the opinion, the school board had three concerns. First, High student absenteeism. In one instance, for example, parents sought to ex excuse dozens of students in a single elementary school from instruction. Second, the infeasibility of managing numerous opt-outs. Teachers would have to track and, accom and accommodate opt-out requests for their students and other staff who spend time in multiple classrooms would have to do so across an entire school. Finally, the school board was concerned that permitting some students to leave the classroom whenever books featuring LGBTQ characters were used would expose students who believe the books represent them and their families to social stigma and isolation. The school board believed that would defeat its effort to ensure a classroom environment that is safe and conductive to learning for all students and would risk putting MCPS out of compliance with state and federal non-discrimination laws. Based on these concerns, the school board decided to allow to disallow opt-outs from the storybooks, regardless of the reason, after the 2022-2023 school year. Did you see that? The school board is more concerned about the lives, uh, their own lives, I should say, than those of the children. They were concerned with high absenteeism, but not why the students were absent. They were concerned with workload for the teachers, but not the impact on the students. 
And finally, while claiming they were concerned about the social stigma of students who believe the books represent them, the board showed absolutely no concern for the significant number of students who might be uncomfortable, even stigmatized, by being exposed to such topics at their age. Remember, we're talking elementary schools. Now, in the middle of this, my heart breaks because here parents have a very powerful grievance, an, uns an, an unconstitutional act by the school district, but they receive unconstitutional advice. Again, quoting from the, from the decision, the plaintiffs claim that the school board's decision to disallow opt-outs from the storybooks likely violates their rights under the Free Exercise Clause of the First Amendment and the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. The school board argues that the plaintiffs have not established a likely constitutional violation. So the plaintiffs claim that the school board policies violates their free exercise clause of the First Amendment. If you've listened to me for any length of time, you know what I'm going to say next. This cannot be a violation of the First Amendment, not to the Constitution of the United States at least, since the first five words of that amendment are, Congress shall make no law. Congress had nothing to do with this policy, so it cannot be a violation of the First Amendment. Furthermore, even if, it's a, if it violated the First Amendment, it plainly is not a violation of the Free Exercise Clause. Again, quoting, The First Amendment, applicable to the states through the 14th Amendment, provides in part that Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The Free Exercise Clause protects against laws that discriminate against or among religious beliefs or that restrict certain practices because of their religious conduct. To violate the free exercise clause, a law, regulation, or government policy must burden religious exercise. The fact that a government school is teaching something that does not comport with your religious beliefs does not prevent you from exercising your religion. It does not even prevent parents from teaching their children that the instruction they receive from the government school is wrong because it's contrary to their belief. What we have here is not a violation of the plaintiff's free exercise right, but an establishment of religion. By claiming that the plaintiff's religious beliefs are superseded by the state's beliefs about diversity and sexuality, the MCPS school board has effectively established the tenets of faith that all public school students must adopt. While this case is not a violation of the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States, it is a violation of Article 36 of the Declaration of Rights of Maryland's Constitution, which reads, No person ought by any law to be molested in his person or estate on account of his religious persuasion or profession or for his religious practice. By forcing children to be taught a form of belief contrary to their parents' desire, they are molesting both the parents and the children for the profession of their faith. As noted before, plaintiffs also claim that MCPS violates their rights protected under the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. Again, reading from the case, the plaintiffs assert that the school board's refusal to allow parents to opt their children out of reading and discussion of the storybooks infringes their right to direct their children's upreading in violation of the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. They claim this due process right is fundamentally is fundamental, triggering strict scrutiny. Now, what is the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment? You find it in Section 1. It says, Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. So does the school board's policy violate this right? Well, again, quoting from the decision, The Supreme Court has stated consistently that parents have a liberty interest protected by the 14th Amendment in directing their children's schooling. 
When the parents' interests include a religious element, however, the court has declared with equal consistency that reasonable regulations by the state is permissible, even if it conflicts with that interest. That is the language of rational basis scrutiny. Once again, we see courts placing their opinions above the supreme law of the land. The Supreme Court recognizes that parents have a liberty interest in directing their children's schooling, but then they add a religious exemption that does not exist in the text of the Constitution. The court is effectively saying, you have a right to due process unless there's a religious element. In fact, it's the Supreme Court that's prohibiting the free exercises of religion by creating a religious test for due process rights. Now, where does this leave our plaintiffs and their request for a preliminary injunction? Well, according to the judge, the plaintiffs have not established a requirement for a preliminary injunction. Their motion is denied. Their request for an injunction pending appeal is denied. A separate order follows. In other words, no injunction for you. I can understand the First Amendment argument against the injunction, but not the 14th Amendment one. Yes, the court states that the Supreme Court has placed a religious exemption on a parent's liberty to direct their children's education, but the judge took an oath to support the Constitution of the United States, not the opinions of judges. Which brings me back to my original question. Who ultimately guides the education of your children? If the schools, with the support of the courts, are able to take their role in local parentis and use it for whatever agenda they decide, well, then their actions are tyrannical indeed. Which brings you to the title of the article, In Loco Parentis Tyrannis. Now, I have to take a quick break, but before I do, I want to let you know that you can find lots of information, the, the articles I've written, these radio programs, and a lot of news from a lot of different sources on AmericaOutloud.news. Make it a daily stop to find out what's going on, to find the latest news and information. But then do more with it. Share this information. The, the stories, the articles, the podcasts, the videos, they're all there for you to use and for you to share. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how we all work to secure the blessings of liberty. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code OUTLOUD. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now 
We have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Welcome back, everyday Americans. You rejoin the Constitution study. And today, we're looking at the, well, what the terrorists tried to take by force 22 years ago, the fact that the American people are simply handing it over and promises some impossible future. Again, all of us have a tracking device, right? I'm, almost all of us have a smartphone, which is basically a tracking device. And I've talked before about how the cell phone companies and the manufacturers of these phones um, basically hand over data to the government on little more than a subpoena. You know, there, there, there's, there's no warrant. There's no probable cause. There's no oath or affirmation. They simply ask, the, the government simply asks, and these companies turn it over. And to me, that's a problem. Because while the data is belongs to the company, it was created by the company, they can do with it whatever they want, it shows a real lack of concern for their customers. But then this story came out, and this one, this one really grinds me. It, 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 because I, I, was, I was almost one of their customers. I've actually considered on multiple occasions being their customers. Because I saw this tweet. Uh, it said, last week, a friend of ours was raided by the feds over J6. His name is Nathan Hughes, and he's from Fayetteville, Arkansas. Nate was raided by the FBI and arrested at gunpoint. His girlfriend, who had just miscarried, had a miscarriage, was held at gunpoint and put in handcuffs. The FBI turned off his security cameras, unplugged his internet, and flipped his house upside down in a search. Okay, that's sadly becoming all too common. But this next sentence I want you to pay close attention to. The feds called the manufacturer of his Liberty gun safe and got the passcode to get into it too. Granted, yes, this is all about January 6th and the hysteria. And the feds, what the feds were doing, I want to see the warrant. Where's their warrant? Does it give a chance the authority to turn off the security cameras? They have the, the security cameras were there to protect the, the occupants, to unplug the internet. This search, but the fact that Liberty Gun Safe simply turned over the passcode from a phone call from the feds means I will not do business with Liberty Safes ever. Like I said, I was planning to become a customer. It was it was a plan. I I I was looking at a new gun safe, and Liberty Safes was on my list. But if they're going to hand over passcodes. If they have backdoor passcodes into my, into a safe, and then I find out they're simply going to turn them over when the feds ask for it, I do not trust Liberty Safes. Now, I want to be fair. I've reached out to Liberty Safe and asked that they would come on the program to give us their side of the story. Because I, to me, that only seems fair. Maybe they were handed a, uh, uh, a, a warrant. I don't know. I want to get their side, but I'll tell you right now, I'm a little suspicious about Liberty Safe. 
and and uh, I I will not be one of their customers until they can provide a truly constitutionally sound, justifiable reason why they turned that over. Um, apparently without a warrant. If all the feds did was call them, then apparently there was without a warrant. But I want to make sure. There's another one, right? So uh, gun safes, you think, wow, you know, these are going to be people interested in freedom and liberty and all that. But we've already learned that the the healthcare system, they're not as interested as we thought. Uh, For example, um, Kaiser Permanente, they are a huge healthcare provider, especially on the West Coast. And um, there's information that's been leaked from a mandatory staff training to promote the sexual transition of children as young as four years old? See, this is the claim that was made by an employee of Kaiser Permanente, uh, which who wishes we were anonymous, and the, it was uh, made according to, to the libs of TikTok who first reported the story. Uh, the, the employee told the social media account that employees at the hospital were required to watch a video that stated that children know that they are transgender at three or four years old. Old. I'm sorry, at three or four years old, children don't know what sex is. But yet we have a major medical uh, employer, a healthcare employer, that's telling uh, nurses and, and teachers and other staff that at three or four, yeah, you know what? They know if they're transgender and they should be treated as such. I'm sorry, if a... Uh, if a child at three or four years old believes they're transgender, it's not their belief. They're either expressing the opinions of their parents or of other influences in their life, adults that are influencing them in, in this. Again, at three or four years old, children don't know what sex is. How could they know they're transgender unless it was trained, unless they were indoctrinated in this idea? And of course, the Kaiser Permanent, they're a large corporation. There are a lot of these corporations. We've seen the, uh, the, 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 the Bud Lighting, right? We saw what happened with Bud Light and Anheuser-Busch and the, the pushback. We saw what happened at Target. We've seen what happened at Disney. Well, apparently it still works. NASCAR, right? Now, NASCAR, NASCAR started out as good old boys. And I stopped watching NASCAR for I, years ago. I've watched NASCAR as long as they have been on television. Back in the 1960s, when I was a small child, family was still involved in auto racing. In the 70s, when they started broadcasting these programs, we watched them because it was part of our life. And it was about five, six years ago, I stopped watching them simply because, well, on the one hand, they were ruining the racing. That was one problem. But then they started getting stupid. Well, I reported earlier about this this uh, move. They 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 NASCAR. One of the great things about NASCAR, and, and uh, is the camaraderie among the teams and the desire to help other people. Um, NASCAR teams were known for helping out their competitors. I don't know if it's still the case today, but back in the even in the eighties and nineties. Um, teams would actually loan each other parts so that they could compete on the racetrack. They were famous for their willingness to help um, disadvantaged people uh, uh, in any way they could. The stories are numerous. 
And so when NASCAR announced they, they were having an intern program to take young, disadvantaged people who, you know, young people who wanted to get into engineering, who, who, who enjoyed working on cars and, and other things like that, to give them a chance. I thought that that sounded to me like another example of NASCAR simply reaching out and trying to bring people in and give them opportunities. And then we found out that, oh, no, no, these were diversity interns. They, they, they had to be non-white. If, if they were white, they were not allowed. Well, apparently, they got a big pushback. Again, they specifically stated to be a member of one or that the, the, an applicant had to be a member of one or more of the following races, ethnic minority classifications, black or African-American, American Indian or Alaskan Native, Asian, Latino or Hispanic, Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander. This was a requirement for the job posting. Well, they got a lot of pushback or they got enough that they changed their mind, that uh, they are no longer going to. Uh, discriminate against white people in order to do their 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 DEI nonsense, the DEI stupid. Now they've amended the requirements for this internship, but let's say that doesn't mean DEI is dead in uh, in NASCAR. They have what they call their drive for diversity. Now listen, I have no problem with diverse people being in NASCAR. I, I cheered when women first started, and, and by the way. Um, Oh, I can't, I'm drawing a blank on her name. It was be, before Danica Patrick. There was a, a woman who raced in IndyCar and in NASCAR. And I cheered for her. I wanted her to do well. I wanted Danica to do well. I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, that I wanted her to rise as far as she could. I had no problem with, with Bubba Wallace racing. The, the problem always came is when Bubba Wallace was stupid. You know, when a, a garage door pull was suddenly a noose because, well, everything's racist, apparently, to him. So here we have NASCAR. Again, NASCAR, you talk about originated in the Southeast. Good old boys. Now is, you know, becoming another racist, just another racist group. And it's a private corporation, so they legally can do whatever they want. But they are denying the rights and liberties and freedom of of how many Americans in this push to appear to be diverse by, can't, by, by not allowing the diversity of other ideas, the diversity of, of certain people. So it appears that, you know, NASCAR has its own uh, affirmative action program. They just call it Drive for Diversity. And again, again, we've got, so we've got, we've got private corporations, we've got government entities, what about others? What about the so-called scientific community? Uh, take a look at the, there's a recent report that uh, Dr. Patrick Brown, uh, he's a, a climate scientist and co-director of climate and energy team at the Breakthrough Institute. Well, he revealed that uh, uh, recently in a paper related to wildfires, he purposely omitted information that did not fit the narrative of climate alarmism. That's right. Dr. Patrick Brown, a so-called expert in cl and climate scientist, lied to you. The Brown claimed it was necessary to do this to have any chance of being published in any peer-reviewed science journal. Which, to me, brings into question any science journal. If a science journal will not allow countervailing information, 
that's not a science journal. That's a propaganda rag. Now, is Mr. Brown alone? Is, is, this, is this a unique situation? In Mr. Brown's own, Dr. Brown's own words, he said, I knew not to quantify key aspects other than climate change in my research because it would dilute the story that prestigious journals like Nature and its rivals, Science, want to tell. Oh, how many people are making decisions based on what's, what's showing up in, in the journals Nature and Science and others? He says, this matter becomes, it, because it is critically important for scientists to be published in high-profile journals in many ways, they are the gatekeepers for career success in academia. And the editors of these journals have made it abundantly clear, both by what they publish and what they reject, that they want climate papers that support certain pre-approved narratives, even when those narratives come at the expense of broader knowledge for society. Yahoo! The so-called scientific journals, the scientific uh, papers, are not scientific. They're not interested in science. They're interested in an agenda. And they'd be more than happy to promote said agenda by rejecting in, uh, uh, papers and articles that don't support their climate change myth. We've been told for decades that climate change here. Could it be that part of the reason people believe in climate change is because the scientific literature has been lying to them? Sounds like it to me. Now, again, these are private entities. They legally can do whatever they want. But I have to wonder, why would we trust them? See, that's the rest of the story. It's one thing for these is that these private entities can legally do this. The question is, why do we not find out about it? And when we do, do we continue to do business with them? Do we continue to follow these organizations? Do we continue to support these organizations? Do we listen to these organizations? That, to me, ladies and gentlemen, is the question. If I will not do business with Liberty Safe until they prove to me they were legally justified in handing over that, the, those passcodes to the federal government, guess what? I'm also not going to watch NASCAR because I'm not going to support a racist organization. I'm not going to follow these climate. The, 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 I'm going to take any article in these scientific rags about climate and assume there may be information that they are withholding from us because it doesn't support the narrative. The same with hospitals. I talk to my doctor. I talk to my uh, physician's assistant. I don't you know, I don't simply trust what they have to say. I am so glad because we had a we had a great physician's assistant who uh, 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 lost her position when the doctors when the practice was sold, and she's coming back. And the one the P, the PA we have now, she's wonderful, but we're so happy for this one because this person talked to us when we. You know, we had questions, we got answers that weren't just regurgitation of, well, the FDA says this and the CDC says this. There was actual research and information on it, and that is such a blessing. I think, ladies and gentlemen, I'm trying to point out that it's not just government that's trying to take away your liberty. By hiding information about climate change, these quote-unquote scientific journals were taking away your liberty, your ability to make an informed decision by failing to inform you and pretending they were. Here's all the news you need, except what we don't want you to have. And it's the access to this information is so important. It's why I added the news section to the revamped Constitution Study 
Go to the website, ConstitutionStudy.com. It's got a complete remake, a complete facelift. There's a whole section dedicated to news. These are news articles and other things that I find interesting, that I find important, that I want to share. Now, I share them on social media, but I don't trust social media. Right? What All it's going to take is somebody to not like what I say, and suddenly I'm gone. So now I can go to my website that I control, constitutionstudy.com, and you can find that news as well. I'm even just going to set up soon, I think, a news feed for those of you like me who, who like watching uh, or reading from news feeds to get the information out to you so you can compare and decide for yourself. Now, the other thing I'd like you to check out is keep an eye on your immune system. I've been doing this for years. My wife really prompted me to do this, but I found a, a, something that helps support my immune system, especially when I'm on the go. That is Immune Super Boost from Healthy Cell. It's a dozen immune supplements that are designed to support your immune system, and they come in a simple travel-ready gel pack. I throw them in my bag, and I hit the road. As an America Out Loud listener, you can get 25% off your first order at Healthy Cell, whether it's Immune Super Boost or any of their great products. Find all the details at americaoutloud.shop. Basically, go to, to healthycell.com, put your order together, use the code OUTLOUD at checkout. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud, and as a thank you, you get 25% off your first order. Well, the Out Loud truth was the rallying call that started it all. America Out Loud News was an idea, a movement, a place where folks would feel comfortable speaking the truth without being censored or canceled. The First Amendment is alive and well. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body. And now they found the solution, the miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything.
Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution study. And today, we're talking about how the American people are giving up what the terrorists tried to take away from us 22 years ago. Our freedom, our rights, our liberty. Now, I have this story out. We've already heard about, you know, we know the Biden administration is out to get legal gun owners. I mean, the evidence is ginormous. It's it's a There's a plethora of evidence. Here is some more. This one comes from Tuscahoma, Oklahoma. Didn't even know there was a Tuscahoma. But um, agents from the ATF raided the home of Russell Fisher. Now, why did they raid the home of Russell Fisher? The short version is Russell Fisher is a gun enthusiast, but he also likes helping people with uh, with guns. Um, you know, he likes talking about guns. He likes helping people, and. Uh, he would go to gun shows and occasionally he would uh, engage in, I think he engaged in one private sale. And uh, of course, private sales, they don't go through an FFL. There's no background check. It's a private transaction. So he was advised by others to say, you know what? You should get an FFL. And he looked at it and he said, you know, that's not a half bad idea. Not only would it would allow him to uh, buy and sell more guns, do it across state lines, he could help his friends, his neighbors, and other people in the community that you know needed an FFL, say, to transfer a firearm, to get a firearm across state lines. He could help. And was, he, he wasn't really in the big business of, of uh, selling guns. He was more the uh, neighborly guy that uh, wanted to do a bit more with guns and, and saw an FFL, a federal firearms license, as a way to allow him to help other people. The problem with that, that most people don't, I guess a lot of people may not think about, is that wherever your FFL is, right, you, you, you have to have, uh, in order to get a federal firearms license, in addition to a lot of paperwork, there are storage requirements, there's paperwork requirements, and they need to know where you're storing the arms for your FFL. If it happens to be your home because you really only sell online, your home is a site of the FFL. They have, under the law, the right to come in and inspect, right? I have a lot of issues with that, right? Because, again, you're talking about an unreasonable search. If you're telling me in order to engage in a trade, I have to give up my Fourth Amendment right against unreasonable search and seizures, we have a problem. But that's not what I'm talking about here. So uh, the the ATF came in and uh, extorted, or they inspected <laughs> um, Mr. Fisher's home. At which point uh, uh, they said, you know what? There there was they they went through his storage. They overviewed his storage. They went through uh, his paperwork, and then he received a letter not that li a little later that found some fault with some of the entries. Uh, he said some were difficult to decipher, and in one case, a serial number for one pistol had not been reported correctly. Now, most of you would say, all right, it, it's, it's a paperwork mistake. Somebody wrote down the number wrong. We've all done it. However, that is not the way the ATF looks at it anymore. They've identified, they've adopted under Joe Biden what they call a zero-tolerance policy, meaning one mistake and we'll come after you. That's right. You're a legal law-abiding firearms owner. Maybe you do some trading. And if you make one clerical mistake, you're done. They, they use that as an excuse to come in 
and do what they did to Mr. Fisher. What did they do? They confiscated uh, about uh, 50 legally owned firearms and made him turn over his FFL. And according to Mr. Fisher, on the way out, they offered him a little bit of advice. They told, uh, Mr. Fisher said, uh, they said, tell all your FFL friends, we're coming for them next. The right to protect yourself with the firearm is protected by the Constitution. But tell me, what good is it if federal regulations that people follow that violate the Constitution are used to deprive you of a right protected by the Constitution? If your right to, against unreasonable searches can be violated as a requirement for simply legally buying and selling firearms, then what good are your rights? And the American people, in many cases, have turned over these rights because we were scared to death by mass murder. Mass murders are terrible things. But with the promise of a temporary safety, with the promise of we'll take care of you, we'll protect you, we'll give you temporary security, how many of us have given up our liberty? I don't think that Mr. Fisher thought about that when he when he acquired his FFL, that part of that would be to uh, give up his Fourth Amendment rights, except legally he can't give up his Fourth Amendment rights. It means legally that regulation is unconstitutional and therefore void. But the vast majority of American people don't know that, don't recognize that. So we hand over our rights for the promise of being protected, the promise of being taken care of, to the point where those rights become meaningless. But there is a bit more to this story. It gets a little more crazy. So it, Mr. Fisher had a separate store where he sold ammunition, not firearms, just ammunition. So a guy walks in and he's acting weird. He, he feels uncomfortable. Uh, you know, Mr. Fisher feels uncomfortable. And the man said he wanted to buy a firearm. Mr. Fisher said, I don't sell firearms here. Um, you know, I only sell them like online in the gun stores and whatnot. Uh, and the guy was pressing, trying to get a firearm. Well, finally, the man admitted the, the, to Mr. Fisher that he was a convicted felon, at which point he said, I can't sell you a, a firearm. Um, it's illegal to sell you a firearm. But he did sell him a box of ammunition, which is kind of interesting. See, federal law prohibits a felon from possessing ammunition, but it says nothing about whether selling ammunition to a felon is a crime. So he thought by refusing to sell the man a gun, it was done, except a, a few days later, this man called him up and asked if he'd thought about it. And he says, no, Mr. Fisher, no, I'm not going to sell you a gun. You're a felon. And a few days later, he gets a weird phone call. Uh, wants to know when the, the store was going to be open. Uh, Mr. Fisher said it wasn't going to be open that day, uh, which he said the man seemed confused and hung up. And five minutes later, ATF calls him and tells him not tells Mr. Fisher not to leave. They want to discuss the serial number issue found during the inspection. Now, he didn't think too much about this until he looked up, and within just minutes, he said there were seven or eight vehicles coming up his driveway. They spread out across his front yard. Men in tactical gear carrying rifles got out and approached his house to discuss a serial number issue. Now, he stepped out to talk with the agents and was placed in handcuffs and led away from the house. They said, you're not being arrested, you're being detained. This is a custodial situation, right? This isn't 
unreasonable seizure. They are taking control of his body without due process of law. My question is, where's your warrant? Without a warrant, you have no authority to detain me. In fact, they even considered handcuffing his 13-year-old son. But the leader said, no, don't, don't handcuff the son. But there's a son standing next to his handcuffed father. I mean, this must have been terrifying for the son. Now, he asked the agents, he said, I've got, I've got nothing violent in my history. I don't know what you're, what, were you expecting a shootout? Why the show of force? The agent responded with, there could have been 20 people with guns in there. Well, that's a stupid answer. There are already a, a dozen people with guns. You are the dozen people with guns. Now, they asked him about a specific gun, one he had traded years before. It turns out that gun turned up at a crime scene in California years after he had traded that gun in Oklahoma. No, they traced the gun back to him because he was the original purchaser. And they, they said he bad, they badgered him about the gun. And have got the, 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 the trade that was done at the gun show, which, by the way, is perfectly legal. They, re they repeatedly accused him of providing guns to criminals and gangbangers without any real evidence. All they knew is that he purchased a gun, he claimed he traded it, and then suddenly it was in the hand of gangbangers. Finally, trying to figure out what he can do to make things right, the, F the, the ATF said he had to relinquish his FFL and his guns. Ladies and gentlemen, this was a raid. This is a raid on an innocent man for something that is not a crime. And the excuse of a, a you know, oh, this gun years later showed up in, in a, at a crime does in no way implicates Mr. Fisher. It could have traversed dozens of hands between them. But again, when we say the government gets to tell us when we can carry firearms and when we can buy and sell firearms and who will be allowed to buy and sell them from, we give them the authority, we hand over our rights saying they'll protect us from all the bad guns except when they are the bad guns. Now, before I go, let's take a little bit of a uh, good news, bad news, right? What do you want first? It's the good news or bad news? It's both out of California. They both involve Attorney General Bonta. All right, we'll do the bad news first, so I can leave you a little bit of good news. Um, a California judge has issued a temporary order blocking local school districts from notifying parents. That's, oh, oh, that's right. The uh, uh, Chino Valley Unified School District had a policy which would require uh, staff and faculty to notify parents of uh, the gender decisions of their children. So th th that's right. Telling the parents what their children are up to by the school is a crime in California, effectively. See, Attorney General Bonta sued the school because he didn't want the school to actually tell. Again, if the parents, if a child shows up and claims to be transgender, a boy wants to be a girl, a girl wants to be a boy, all that said is the parents were notified. They, they would know. And for that, the school was sued by the Attorney General and some judge, I, I, I think, uh, I guess it was a judge, uh, Tom Garza, sided with the state. That the believe the parents don't have a right to know if their children are going to a government program, i.e. public schools, and pretending to be something they're not.
evidence of a mental disorder. We, if they were using drugs, they'd tell the parents. I probably, if they were conducting, if they're in other risky behavior, they'd tell the parents. But not if they have a mental disorder about sex. That's the state of California. Um, it's. I'm sorry. It's governed by a bunch of perverts. Let's take the kids. Let's let them pretend. And because it deals with sex, we have to silence any opposition to that. Now, when it comes to Ron Rob Bonta, it, it's kind of a, a win one, lose one. See, there's a California law that made it a crime to interfere with any person who is a reproductive health services client within a hundred foot radius of an abortion clinic. Well, oh, and by the way, that person also had a, a 30 foot bubble between uh, the, the person and, and, and any client. If you get within that 30 foot bubble, you're guilty of harassing the person. You can face a thousand dollar fine and up to six months in jail. Now, a U.S. district court for the Eastern District of California enjoined Mr. Bonta from uh, uh, enforcing said law. And that the Mr. Well, the state, the, the taxpayers of California had to pay the legal fees of Alliance Defending Freedom to the tune of just over one hundred ninety-two thousand dollars. So again, a little bit of bad news, a little bit of good news. But I have to wonder, the, the people of California, th this is your idea of of rights and freedom and liberty, taking children away from their parents, if not. Physically, mentally, socially, you have a child that, that's expressing an idea that is patently false, but you're not allowed to tell the parent. You, you shouldn't be encouraged to tell the parent. Does that mean that parents, if you're sending your children to California public schools, you may not know what's going on. Don't you find that dangerous? And sure, a district court said, "Listen, these these uh, th these restrictions, these bubbles are ridiculous. It, it is by definition a violation of the equal protection clause of the Fourteenth Amendment. Because if if a um, if, if there's a hundred foot radius around an abortion clinic, why is there not a hundred foot radius again around a pro life clinic? That's not equal protection under the law. You win a little here, you lose a little there." But as we remember September 11th, and I intentionally didn't spend my time focusing on the attack on September 11th. As we look at the fear it created, though, and the truly bad, bad laws that were created in response to that, to the people that we the people elected to represent us, that have these truly totalitarian ideas about how to run a country, we have handed over in many cases, our rights, our freedoms, our liberties for the false promise of some temporary safety. Let us take control and we'll protect you. You don't need guns to protect yourself. We've got police, except when those police are targeted at you. We, we, you don't need to worry about um, uh, uh, the hospitals. We'll control it from government. We'll create all the programs until they're used against you. Same with the schools. We watch as, as again, Anheuser-Busch, Target, NASCAR, all these corporations are about taking away your, your rights and we keep funding them. I think it's about time 
we stop falling for the lie. And sure, part of the thing, part of the way we do that is by hiring better represent- rep- representatives, people that will actually fulfill their oath to support the Constitution, rather than destroy the oath to give us whatever goodies we ask for. We worry more about your rights and less about the bennies. But I also think we do that by supporting companies that protect our rights rather than destroy our, our rights. When I was traveling over the last couple of years, I kept looking, you know, we had all the mask mandates and all that. I kept looking for, for restaurants and, and, and places that said, we protect your rights. No mask, no vaccine, no problem. And I didn't see them. I think we need to prioritize rights over cash if we wish to live free. I hope you enjoyed this show. I hope you come back and join us for the Constitution Study every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard in the iHeartRadio network. If you can't listen then, please follow the podcast. You can find it on your favorite podcast app. The episodes come out a day or two later. But subscribe to the show. Leave us ratings and reviews. That's how other people can find us. You can find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news. But please share this information. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how we share the blessings of liberty.